chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not, uh, do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Now, I'd like you to keep your uh, finger on that page, but I would also want, this is the passage we're going to look at, but I would also want to read, you know, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, just uh, two verses, verses 14 and 15. Verse 14. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Uh, verse 15. As if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now coming to Colossians chapter 3, um, there are two verses that are critical to what I'm going to say this morning. Um, one is, uh, if, you, if you look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, one is verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father and through him. And verse 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not uh, to men. So there's this uh, repetition. Whatever you do, do all as unto the Lord. I don't like to focus our attention. Why is it that the apostle, within a very uh, short space of time here, within this uh, chapter 3, he brings up this twice. There's a repetition there. You know, maybe not exactly the wording as it were, 
But the point is this, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father uh, through him. If you have, been, you have studied this book very closely, you know that uh, Colossians is divided into two sections. The first two chapters are doctrinal. They are stating what we ought to believe. And then uh, the other two chapters are basically applying uh, the beliefs that we have stated in chapters 1 and 2. So the practical outworking of chapters 1 and 2 are found in chapter 3 and chapter 4. I'll just give an example. You know, in chapter, chapter 1, I think about verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, uh, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, and whether you heard uh, before in the word of truth of the gospel. Uh, I don't know whether you can see that there are, there are very critical things there that uh, the apostle mentions, you know, concerning the Colossians. They have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have love for all the saints, and they have hope for heaven. They have hope for heaven. So you are in Christ Jesus. Your faith must be in Christ. If your faith is in Christ, then you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you must love all the Christians. Ah. Do you love all the Christians in Belvedere? <laughs> that's, a, that's a challenge we have. You know, there are all kinds of Christians, you know, all over the world. But he's saying, love all the saints. And then you must have hope in heaven. You're looking, you're looking forward to heaven, right? On our daily basis, are we always looking forward to heaven? That's what is challenging us to, to, to this. But, the, the, you know, the Colossians were able to have that. Their faith was not in another person or another a thing. Their faith was only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, they were true believers. These are, these are characteristics of a Christian. If you want to know who a genuine Christian is, they have faith in Christ and in Christ alone. And they love the brethren. If you don't love another Christian, that might be evidence that there be something wrong there concerning your faith. They love the believers. And then they're always looking forward to heaven. This world is not my home. I'm looking forward, you know, to going into heaven. And also one of the, uh, the, the, the doctrines that he puts in place here, that, that you must know about this. And then the verses I read at the beginning of our, our service, verses 15, where it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now that section is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ being the creator. You know, the Bible talks about the whole uh, Godhead was a pleased to dwell in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truly God, even as he was truly man. So Christ is the creator. There was nothing that was made that was, uh, without him. So he's the creator. He is all-powerful. You know, he is all-knowing. He is the one who is in charge of this whole universe. 
and even in the church, he's the head of the church. So there is a, a kind of explanation about the Lord Jesus Christ so that the people in Colossae should not be taken up by other things. You don't need anything else. Christ is supreme. Christ is sufficient. Don't go anywhere else because they were being told by Judaizers, you know, that, oh, you need to keep the Sabbaths. Oh, you need to do this and the other. And he says, no, Christ is sufficient. And that is very much uh, doctrinal. The, one of the issues in, in Colossae was uh, legalism. There were people who were coming up and saying, oh, you're talking about Christ and Christ alone? No, no, no. You need to add some other things. And the Apostle Paul says, no, what you need is Christ and Christ alone. He is sufficient. And therefore, once you've got your doctrine in place, then it comes in chapter 3 and says, therefore, put on this and put off this. Chapter 3, verse 5, therefore, put to death things that are earthly. Right? You put to death what is earthly. Chapter 3, verse 12, Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender messes. There are certain things you need to put on. Right? You put on. Because of what you are, you have been changed from the heart. You are a child of God. You have faith in Christ. You love the believers. You have hope for heaven. Therefore, put to death earthly things. Instead, put on what the Lord desires. Right? Holy beloved, put on tender messes, kindness, humility, meekness, suffering, I mean, long-suffering, and so on. Now, he's talking about this in dealing with the people of God, like a, like a church, put it like a church. And then today, what we're going to look at He's saying, now let's go and visit your family. <laughs> let's go to see your home. Uh, let's see your holiness in the home. All right, you may have put away anger against another Christian. But now let's see in the home whether there is anger against your wife or your husband or your children. Let's, let's visit, you know, the home. What we are looking at this morning is holiness in the home. And... We will see that these things must be done from the heart, not mere uh, legalistic commands. Because he has already told them, don't be legalistic. And so when you are applying these commands here, it must be done as something that is coming from your heart and uh, you are in obedience to the Lord. It is not something you are doing in your own strength at all, but you are doing it to the glory you know, of God. So holiness in the family. And the family is defined here as father, our mother, and the children, and the servants. That's what we are, we are considering here. Um, the family composition in the UK might be different. But this particular family in the Bible here, you will find that uh, there is the father, the mother, the children, and the servants. It's very difficult to have servants in the UK when they're so expensive. <laughs> uh, but in Africa, it's quite common. If you, uh, if you just manage to get into university, you'll find that uh, you have a worker in the garden and you have a worker in the house. It's, it's, 
it's very manageable. Um, the costs are not so high. Uh, maybe we are closer to the Bible than, um, than here. <laughs> no, no, that's not the point. Yeah, so uh, the point is I want to just say the family uh, composition is like that. And then the interesting thing is um, he begins with uh, the wives. I wonder whether you have, you have wondered about that. Why does he begin? Wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Right, that verse 18. And I think he has elaborated a bit more. Uh, can we read Ephesians chapter 5? So that um, we see the Paul's mind on this matter. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives uh, be to their own husbands in everything. Now, we must obviously look at uh, some of the context here. You'll find uh, this teaching was very revolutionary because when it, in that particular generation or in that particular context, you find that uh, women were trodden upon a lot. And so when the apostle was bringing up this teaching, and if you read in Galatians, it clearly says there is no um, difference between man and woman. Concerning our salvation, we are equal before the Lord, very much equal before the Lord. That was not there in the society at the time. So it was very revolutionary. But then in that equality, there are roles that are different that we need to, put, uh, to, to take care of to make sure that there is leadership. And so he says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. And this command is given to the wives uh, independent of what he's saying to the men. And so it's something to do with the Lord. Remember, we are saying, whatever you do, do all things as unto the Lord. So your obedience is not something that is coming out of uh, how... I don't like doing this. It, it must be something you're saying, I want to understand what the Bible says about this, and I want to obey the Lord in this matter. It is not uh, something that is trying to take advantage, you know, like the men taking advantage, you know, of, of the women. The, the instruction is as unto the Lord. It is with the Lord we want to obey. And so there's the, the role of leadership there. Somebody must take leadership in the home. And um, that's why I'm saying wives submit to, to your own husband. This is not saying uh, the wife is a doormat where you just trample on, you know, every time you, you enter the house. No, that's not the biblical teaching at all. Before the Lord, there is neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Greek. You know, we stand are equal. But in terms of our different roles that God has given us, you know, they are, they, we need to respect that as much, you know, as possible. Um, and then he, he looks at, uh, this, this you can explain more, in, I'm sure you can have a Bible study and, and, and discuss everything that, uh, that you can be able to do. But for, to, for today, I'm just running over, and I want you to take this point 
that whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. That we, need to do, we need to remember that. So when it comes to husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter you know, towards them. And you know, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, when it's, uh, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their, their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, you know, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So the, the, uh, the love that is commanded to the, to the men to love their wives, it's, um, it's a sacrificial you know, love, just like Christ loved the church. It's a practical you know, love like Christ did for the church. And uh, it's uh, an, eternal, an eternal love, something that uh, must be there all the time. Not just on the wedding day, but it ought to be there all the time. So in Colossians, he decides to just summarize it. In Ephesians, I think he has explained a lot more. Husbands, love your wives, you know, and do not be bitter towards them. I don't know how the bitterness might come about, but that you can discuss uh, when you have a Bible, you know, Bible study. But the point is that the husbands must help their wives to grow spiritually. There was a man who said, I thought I was a very fine Christian until I got married. Then, uh, you know, my, prob my, my problems, you know, were made clear that actually I have areas that I still need sanctification. Right? So when we are honest with each other, we help each other to grow. Uh, the husband, as, as is put in Ephesians there, to help the wife you know, to grow spiritually. You know, it's like the way Christ prepares the church. The church has all sorts of problems, but the Lord Jesus Christ still loves the church. Right? He died for the church. And so he's saying, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I know the standard is very high, but that instruction again is independent of whether the wives submit or not. The husband must love, you know, the wife. And then there's 20 children. Uh, it comes again in this book as well. It's not just Ephesians, but it's also in Colossians. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Remember first time obedience? Remember first time obedience? Obey first time. Because physically you'll be helped, but also spiritually you're going to be helped. Children, obey your parents. This idea that uh, there can come instructions from elsewhere to be able to govern our children is not right. It is the parent that is uh, responsible for the shaping of the heart of, of, of a child with the help of God, of course. Um, the, the first five years, the child must learn obedience. Shaping the heart, the first five years is, is so critical because once the child is grown up, that's it. That's it. The pro, there will be a big problem. But the earlier years, 
to try and teach first-time obedience as much as we can. That is going to help them. And remember, children, we are not saying you do this as a legalistic rule. We are saying all this must be done as unto the Lord. Then, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. I think it's a very clear instruction. I don't know why they didn't tell the wives, <laughs> but they told the men, uh, maybe they have a tendency to provoke their children. And so they are the ones that must watch out for that. Otherwise, they are going to discourage their children. You find even in Ephesians 6 verse 4, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition you know, of the Lord. So the fathers have been given that injunction. Remember this, we are not obeying this as a legalistic rule, but rather are doing this as unto the Lord. And then you have servants, obey in all things. Your masters, according to the flesh, not as eyewitness. Let me read, let me read that uh, Colossians uh, passage that we are, we, are, we are dealing with here. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing, you know, the Lord, fearing, you know, God. You find that also repeated in Ephesians, you know, chapter uh, 6 and verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as unto, unto Christ. So, what this is doing is saying, you know you are a Christian if you are in Christ. You know you are a Christian if you love the saints. You know you are a Christian when you are looking forward to heaven. And then your focus is not anything else but Christ, that he is sufficient. That's all you need. You need is Christ. You don't need anything else. Christ is sufficient. And because you know you, you, are, you are in Christ and Christ is sufficient, therefore you need to put worldly things aside. Put them off. Put to death. Kill, as it were. But instead, put on things that are of the Spirit. That the fruit of the Spirit must show in your life, you know, as it were. As a child of God. But we may talk you know, we might be Christians in the, in, the, in, the, in the church, you know, our holy language, you know, very loving to one another and things like that. But what about our homes? How does a husband relate to the wife? How does the wife relate to the husband? You know, in raising up children, one of the things that is very important is harmony between the husband and the wife. If the children can see the division between the two of you, they will take their own you know, decision and do what they want to do. But the harmony between the two is very important. The, the, the home must be what I would call a little church where you are able you know, to praise God in song, where you are able to read the Bible you know, together with the children, 
where you are able to teach them how to pray so that they can learn how to pray. So that at a tender age, they may be able uh, to come to the Lord and minister, you know, God's word. We have had evidences in this country where Spurgeon began to preach at the age of 16. And, and today, the 16-year-olds, you're saying, no, 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 you're too young. So if they have come to know the Lord and they are growing in the things of God, why can't they evangelize their age mates? Why can't they, you know, be active in the church of God? We must have a little church in our house where we worship God. We train the children how to worship God. And in that way, when there is holiness in the life of that particular home, you know, the Lord is going to be glorified. And whatever you do, do all as unto the Lord. There is a reward and there is punishment depending on where you are. Say the Bible is very clear. If you are not a Christian, well, you will not be with the Lord eternally in heaven. You'll be thrown in the lake of fire. You'll spend your eternity in hell. That, and if you are a child of God, yes, you may not manage to keep all the commandments. You may fail here. But once you fall, you know, you come, you rise again. You come to the Lord and confess your sin. You are going to have a reward to be with the Lord eternally. There is going to be a big separation, you know, when the Lord comes or when we die. You will either be with the Lord or you will not be with the Lord. And that is clearly taught in Scripture. Even, even in here, chapter 3, uh, verse 24, it says, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. There is no one who is going to escape the judgment of God if they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord Jesus Christ is not in your heart, you, you know, you haven't come to know him, you have already judged yourself, you don't belong to the Lord. Unless you repent, you'll perish. That's what the Bible tells us. Unless you repent, you're going to perish. It doesn't matter what age you are at, as long as you're not a Christian, and then you die without Christ, your eternity will be without God. These commands are not to be legalistic. These commands are to be done in the Lord. The centrality of Christ in the home is so important. Centrality of Christ in the home. The nation suffers because of the problems of the individual homes that we have. Because the children, once they are raised properly in all the homes in the country, you are going to have a very good uh, nation as it were. So the home is very central. And without Christ in the home, it's disaster. And you see, these commands that were been given here, wives submit, husbands love, children obey, um, servants obey, they have all been done in such a way that they must come from the heart, they must be very sincere, you must be very honest, 
And that can only come from the heart that is changed by God. My son, my daughter, give me your heart. What the Lord is calling us, give me your heart. If all the hearts of men and women in the UK were surrendered to Christ, we'll have a completely different you know, nation you know, here. Christ needs to be central in our homes. But you know, it's very difficult to be sincere, uh, to be honest, if Christ is not taking charge you know, of our hearts. So this passage, at the end of the day, is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? It is talk talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a question of just obeying rules and regulations. It is about Christ being central in our lives. And then we can be able to obey the different things that have been given here. Let's pray uh, briefly together. Let's pray to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we, we give thanks that in the Lord we can be able to do things that are honoring to your name.